Hey, welcome to First Baptist Church Online. My name is Steve Polk. I'm the executive pastor here at the church, and it's always an honor to have you join us online. You know, it would be even a greater honor if you're joining us online and you're in our geographic area. We'd love to see you in person. So we invite you every Sunday morning to come and worship with us at 8.30, 9.45, or 11. This has been such an excellent series. This week will be the third part of our series on godliness. And today we're going to be looking in Titus chapter 3 and talk about the fact that as believers, we're just different. Different is okay. Sometimes you say weird is not okay, but different is okay. So we're going to look today at what about being godly and how as believers we are intended to be different as referred to in Titus chapter 3. So let's pray together as our pastor comes. Of course, grab your notepad, your Bible, and a pen to take some notes this morning. And let's go to the Lord. God, we thank you for how you have made us clean for the ability to strive toward godliness and grow in that relationship with you. And then as fact that as we've come under conviction and we become a child of yours, that we are just different. And being different in this world is such a, such a great honor and opportunity to share the love of Jesus and, and shine a light into our world of the truth and the love of the gospel. So help us to see those opportunities today as we continue to grow in godliness, to be different than what the world has to offer in Jesus' name. Amen. It seems that our culture is just filled with people who are angry and, you know, there's so much hate and violence and, and people don't want to listen to one another, hear anyone they disagree with. And, and that just shows up at every level of our society, doesn't it? Earlier this week, the conservative speaker, Charlie Kirk, was scheduled to give a speech at a university uh, in California, and protesters who didn't like him tried to stop people from getting in to hear him. They, you know, they blocked the entrances. They they threw eggs. They broke windows. Um, he he was allowed to give his speech, but it just seems that every week we hear stories of of anger and and hatred and dysfunction and tribalism in our culture where, you know, my side is always right, your side is always wrong, and it's tearing our country apart. It tears families apart. It tears churches apart. It, te it tears, uh, you know, businesses and companies apart, and it's really sad uh, to see. I mean, all you have to do is is look at Facebook and or Twitter, and it's so easy to see people saying things that are hateful about others, insulting people and calling them names and twisting the truth and so on. And so here's my question. Is any of that behavior godly? Is any of it godly? And the answer is not really. No, not really. So today in this third and final message on godliness from the, the book of Titus, we're going to look at what, what does it mean to live godly as a disciple of Jesus when, when our culture is so angry and so divided and we see it at all these different levels. Now, while you're opening your Bible to the book of Titus chapter 3, I want to remind you, we said that the New Testament word translated godliness in our Bible 
means two things. It has two sides to it, if you will. One is our devotion to God, our reverence for God. And the other side is our lifestyle and attitude, which naturally flow out of that reverence, naturally flow out of that devotion to God that uh, demonstrates we really are devoted to him. And over the last two Sundays, uh, in chapter 1 of Titus, we saw that godliness is something God uses to protect us from the pain and damage that sin brings to our lives when we live ungodly. And then last week in chapter 2, we saw that godliness is a gift we need, which we receive when we receive Jesus and his forgiveness, and he purifies us and makes us godly. But it's also something that we have to choose in our daily lives as we are this new person in Jesus, and we keep saying no to anything that would pull us away from a lifestyle that demonstrates our devotion to God. So we choose to stay in Christ and be happy in Jesus and live like it. Well, today... Godliness, we see in chapter 3 of Titus, means that we're different. When our culture is filled with so much anger and hatred, we're different. When our culture is filled with so much divisiveness, we're different. When our culture is filled with tribalism, people thinking that that anyone who disagrees with them is just automatically evil or that my side is always right and their side is always wrong on everything. No, we are different. So I want us to look in Titus chapter 3 and we're going to see that we're different and how we are different And the difference is because we've had an experience with Jesus Christ that has changed us. Now, the Apostle Paul, in the opening verses of chapter 3, touches on some areas in life that often create arguments and, and conflict and disagreements and behavior that leads people, that, that gets people all riled up emotionally, if you will, and causes them to behave in an ungodly manner. And he makes it really clear that even though the culture acts this way, because we are in Jesus, we don't allow those issues to cause us to act in an ungodly way. We are different. So let's look at what he says in the opening few verses of chapter 3. He says in verse 1, remind them. This is Paul saying to Titus, who is on the island of Crete, And he's appointing pastors. He said, remind these pastors and remind the people in the churches there. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. In verse 2, he says, remind them to malign or slander no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men, not some, but for all men. For we also once, we ourselves once in the past, we were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. 
But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, and we saw earlier in Titus that it's in Jesus' coming and Jesus' death on the cross that the kindness and the grace and love of God appeared. And he says, when God's kindness appeared in Jesus, verse 5, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, not because of our good works, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus, it's as though you take a bath and get clean. He changes you. He regenerates you. And the Holy Spirit renews you. Verse 6, the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we will be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, verse 8. This is a trustworthy statement. This is true. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently. Titus, don't be, in, don't be timid. So that those who have believed, those who are saved, God, those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds, uh, excellent deeds, beautiful or lovely deeds, the Greek word means. These things are good and profitable for men, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are, they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a factuous man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. Now, when he talks about being subject to rulers, he's talking about the government. When he talks about not maligning people, being peaceable and gentle, he's talking about our relationships with other people, whether it's family, friends, people in the neighborhood, at work, and so on. And in verses 9 and following, when he's talking about all these controversies and factuous men, he's talking about religious disputes, philosophical disputes, and all of that. And when you really think about it, politics and religion and relationships are three areas in life that can stir up our passions. And if we're not careful, stir up our passions to the point that we begin acting ungodly. We begin thinking ungodly. We, be, we begin talking to others and talking about others in an ungodly manner because these areas of, of politics or government, these areas of religion and values and philosophy, this, the area, uh, relationships, our family, when, that, when it becomes dysfunctional and so on, uh, man, we, we can become so emotional so emotional that, that rather than responding in those moments as a godly person, we begin to respond in an ungodly manner. And he says, don't do that. Don't do that. And he tells us here how to respond. How to behave. And that's, that's where I want to focus for just a, a few moments because I think he shows us in these verses four ways, four ways that, uh, that you and I as followers of Jesus are to be different, 
are to be different when we deal with these controversial, uh, tense areas of politics and relationships and religion and beliefs. If you have four ways, we are to be uh, different. Number one, we are to be a law-abiding citizen. Be a law-abiding citizen. In verse 1, he says, Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient. We should be good citizens who who obey the laws of our land and make this city a better place to live. Now, I I can just imagine some of you are asking, well, pastor, are are there ever times when, when it's right for us to protest? And well, the answer is obviously, yes, there are times. But what he teaches is when we disagree, when we protest, and how we do it, matters. And in the book of Acts, the disciples were told by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem to no longer preach in Jesus' name. But they said, no, we have to obey God, not men. You you, you cannot cause us to, to stop obeying Jesus and take away our religious liberty to do that. In the gospels, Jesus is known to have have uh, confronted the money changers and the merchants in the temple who who were taking advantage of God's people for financial gain or financial profit, if you will. And he confronted them and turned over their their tables because they were turning God's house, a house of prayer, into a den of thieves, and they were abusing and taking advantage of God's people. So Jesus confronted that. But Jesus also in Matthew 6, 41 said, whoever forces you, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. See, the Romans who had occupied uh, the promised land in the Jewish nation could order a Jew to pick up his bag, a Roman soldier, pick up my stuff and carry it for me one mile. And they had to obey. Jesus said, don't just carry it one mile, carry it two miles, go above and beyond. Listen, there will always be laws and things in our culture and country we don't like. And in America, we are blessed with the freedom to vote, the freedom to speak. In fact, our Constitution grants us the right to peaceably gather, to, you know, to protest uh, something we don't like. The Constitution says do it peaceably. And I, I'm convinced Jesus and Scripture teaches us to do it the same way. So, so obey the laws. Be good citizens. And when it comes time to protest, exercise your right to vote, protest, but do it the right way. And that leads me to point Number two, we are different, not only because we are good citizens, law-abiding citizens, but when we live godly and, 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 and we're different, it means we're different because we are kind. We are kind. Even when we are protesting, we remain kind. Immediately after the verse about government and authorities in verse one, he says that we are to malign no one. Be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men in verse 2. All men, not just some, not just those that we agree with or, or who agree with us, not just those that we like and we love and who like and love us, but with all 
men. Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28 said, But I say to you who hear, those of you who are listening to me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. All men. In Luke 6, verses 32 and 33, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. He said, If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And so Jesus is saying exactly what Paul is saying, that we are to do this for all men, all men, not just some. And so to malign no one, the, the, the other translations say, don't slander anyone or don't speak evil of, of, of no one else. The, the Greek word not translated don't malign here means to don't defame people, revile people, insult people, slander people. And, and, and you talk about today's culture in 2023 here in America. Man, maligning people is an everyday occurrence. Turn on the television and the cable news. Pick up a newspaper or read somebody's comments on Twitter and Facebook. It's just a constant. And and all of the divisions and all of the anger and and all all the stuff that's going on when we talk to people and about people, when we discuss issues, sometimes those of us who say we are followers of Jesus act just like everybody else out there in the culture, and we malign anyone and everyone we don't like. We slander and talk evil about those that we disagree with, and God's word says we are to not do that. Malign no one. He says, be peaceable. Be peaceable. That is the opposite of the person who's always ready for a fight. Always ready to argue. Gets mad at the drop of a hat. He says, don't be like that. Be peaceable. And then he says, be gentle. Or the NIV translates it, consider it. That is a person who is gentle, who is mild, who is fair, and who is patient. That's that's something that over the years I've had to, to work on and get better at. I'm not perfect. I still I still lose it occasionally, but I'm so much better than I, I used to be. And I am convinced because, you know, one, one of the beauties and part of the power of the systematic approach to reading the Bible we have here at First Baptist with our Bible reading plan and with our D groups is we begin to see the whole picture of God's truth in scripture. And I have become convinced in recent years as I've been not cherry picking verses, but actually reading all of God's word that God expects us to not be so emotional and so angry and so mad and so argumentative and so negative. God speaks in his word over and over 
time and time again about not maligning people, about being gentle and being peaceful. You can't read God's word and not see that. He says at the end of verse 2, showing every consideration for all men. The NIV translates it, always to be gentle toward everyone. And so when you think about what, how, how do we apply this verse in our lives, whether it's dealing with politics, whether, whether it's dealing with family conflict, Conflict with a neighbor, differences of opinion, and, and, and whatever level of your life, whatever level of society you're dealing with this stuff, what he's saying here is there's no room for violence. There's no room for name calling and insulting people. There's no room for half truths for distorting what someone really meant when they said something or taking something out of context and twisting it to make the point you want to make. No, no place for that. that. That as we live here and even when we protest laws that we don't agree with, we are to show some humility and respect and patience and kindness, that is what godliness looks like when we are dealing with these difficult subject matters. So, be a good citizen. Obey the law. When you have to protest, be kind. In your relationships, in your living, be kind. Don't let this divisive, angry culture disciple you into acting the way it does. That leads me to the third point. The third way we show that we are different because of Jesus, that we are godly, and it's this. Don't allow yourself to be sucked into acting in an ungodly way. Don't allow yourself to be sucked in to acting in an ungodly way when you are, are encountering these difficult things in life. And, and verses 9 and following, he says, avoid foolish controversies and disputes about the law. They are Why? Because they are unprofitable and worthless. Verse 10, reject a factious man. Verse 11, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. A factious man in verse 10. The NIV says a divisive person. Somebody who likes to always stir things up. Likes to keep a good fight going. Uh, who is who is uh, divisive? I would I would say when it comes to the cable news and the media, people who will stir things up not because they're interested in the truth, but because they're interested in ratings and money and power, and they will divide people and stir things up deliberately. And then sometimes, brothers and sisters, we, because we sit on our couch listening to and watching all of that stuff all the time, being discipled by, we bring it to God's house. We bring it to our life groups. We bring it to our families and relationships. We bring it to work. We bring it to our neighborhoods. We bring it to the ball field. And it creates ungodly behavior. 
He said in verse 9, avoid that stuff. And in verse 10, reject those who keep doing it. The idea behind the word reject there is that you decline their efforts. You decline their invitation to pull you into all of that stuff. In other words, don't let them suck you in. It's the reason I don't sit on the couch in front of the television every evening watching cable news because it will suck you in and you will start acting and thinking and talking in an ungodly manner. It will never motivate you to look like Jesus Christ or like what Paul describes here, malign no one, be peaceable, be gentle, showing every consideration for all Men, you need to take charge of who and what is, is, is shaping you, is discipling you, is influencing you. In verse 11, he says that those who, who stir all this stuff up, up all the time, he said they are perverted and sinning. Perverted and sinning. The, the NIV translates the word prevented there, uh, perverted rather warped, because the word literally means their mind is turned inside out. Their mind, their thinking is turned inside out. In other words, it's all messed up. You and I need to feed ourselves on God's word so that we become more Christ-like. So we develop the fruit of the Spirit as described in Galatians 5 so that we grow in love as it is defined in 1 Corinthians 13. And if that happens, we will look like what he says we're supposed to look like in verses 2 and following here. Now, one last point real quickly. Number four, as we face all the issues of life, living godly, people are going to see godliness in us. They're going to see a difference in us. Here's the fourth way. When we are, are just passionate about doing good things that help other people. At the end of verse 8, he says that we will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. When he says be careful to engage in good deeds... The Greek word there literally means to set it right in front of you. It's like something is so important to me, so precious to me, that I put it right in front of me so I can't miss it. I'm going to see it. And he says the idea of doing good things that help other people should be like that to us. We keep it right in front of us. We are careful to, to do that. We are intentional about doing that. It is a priority for us. It is important for us. And when he talks about being profitable for all men, it's literally, we, we benefit them. It helps others. When we become more like Christ and we, we do good things, lovely things, beautiful things, it helps other people. And, and we are going to live this way. We're going to be different. We're going to be godly in the midst of all these pressures because we met Jesus Christ and he changed us. In verse 3, he said, For we also once were foolish ourselves. He said, We used to be like people in this culture. 
He, he's saying to these, and, and these would have been believers who probably would have been saved as adults or teenagers. He's saying to them, in, in your life before Jesus, you just acted like everybody else. That's, but that's your used to be. That's not your now. He said, we used to be all those things. But then the kindness of God, the kindness of God in Jesus Christ showed up. And in verse 5, he saved us. He regenerated us. He washed us clean. And as we said last Sunday, made us pure. And he poured out the Holy Spirit in us generously. And the Holy Spirit changed us. And he empowers us to live a godly life. Empowers us to live a changed life. Empowers us to be different brothers and sisters. But like we said last Sunday, you have to choose. Because Jesus moved you from over there to over here. He moved you from being lost to being saved, from being in your sin to being purified. You are different. You're in his family. You are here now. You're in a different place. And so as we live our lives, the love of Jesus so fills us and the Holy Spirit so empowers us that we choose to stay over here with Christ to be devoted to him because godliness means I'm devoted to Jesus. I, I have reverence for Jesus and I want my life to show that. I want my life to reflect that and I choose it. And choosing godliness is not just about always doing the moral thing or the right thing. Choosing godliness means we also show it in how we act toward others. Even when we're dealing with politics and religious differences and family conflict, we choose because we are in Jesus to not act like everybody else and let our emotions get the better of us and let angry people stir us up to act like them. We choose to malign no one. We choose to be peaceable. We choose to be gentle. We choose to show consideration. We choose to be different. Why? Because we are in Jesus Christ. He saved us. He changed us. And we're never going back to the old way. No matter how much the culture tries to entice us. And by the way, when the culture is enticing you to go back and act like the world, do you know who's behind that? Satan, the evil one, who would just smile if you walk away from being godly and devoted to Jesus and started acting like all the angry people in this world. Show people Jesus by how you live and by how you treat people. That's a big part of godliness. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday.